This message was recorded live at Elevate Church in Erie, Pennsylvania. As followers of Christ, we follow a God who was crucified, dead, buried, got up, walked out of the tomb, demonstrating that there's nothing that you and I can't walk out of. He doesn't love me based on my performance. God loves me based on my position. It matters so much that we imitate Christ and we live out those principles. There's nothing that you could do. There's, there's no great sin that you could have ever committed that would be a barrier between you and Jesus. To learn more about Elevate, how you can get connected, or how you can support the work that Elevate is doing in Erie, visit elevatechurch.com. So good morning, good morning. Yeah, you can clap for that. That was awesome. It was incredible. It was incredible. We're beginning the series, which is really one of my favorite series that we do all year long. I feel that I have a responsibility as your pastor to do really a couple different things um, throughout the year. And one is, is to make sure you stay connected to what difference this church is making in the lives of people in this room, people in this city, people in this nation, and even beyond. You need to know all the the impact that you are having. So part of my responsibility really in this series is to is to show that to you. And we spent a lot of time putting together a video. You're gonna see that in, in, in just a little bit of all the ways you are making a difference. Because of you, so many lives are being changed. Because of you, people are finding hope and freedom. Those songs that we sing about really ring true for all that this church is doing. And so I gotta share that with you today. So once a year, we try to put something together like this so that you know and so that you can stay connected to the things maybe you don't even know that you're a part of. And I can't wait to show you that because we put a lot of prayer, effort, and really uh, energy into making sure that we are being as generous as we can and being strategic about where we partner so that one day we will hear as a church collectively together, well done. Well done, Elevate Church. You guys did great. You guys leveraged your resources. You leveraged your gifts. You leveraged your talents. You made the greatest impact that you could. Heaven will be more crowded because of you. I believe that, amen? Because of what you guys are a part of, because of what you're doing, there's gonna be more people in heaven. And so we're gonna give you a snapshot of that in just a little bit. Just, just a, a few different ways that you're serving, you're giving, uh, has impacted the city and beyond. And ultimately, I want you to leave here feeling this sense of godly pride, not, not self-pride, but this sense of, man, look at all that we're accomplishing together, because it really is a team effort as we impact uh, this city for the kingdom. Who would have thought that a church that planted uh, almost six years ago, it'll be six years in February, with $82,000. I don't know if you guys realize that, but we planted this church on an $82,000 budget. 30,000 of that came from ARC, the Association of Related Churches, our church planting body. $82,000, and it all went to launch day. Like, we had no idea if we were gonna meet the next Sunday or not. We didn't know. Didn't know if people would show up, didn't know what was going on. But to think now, 
in six years, this church has been able to give beyond our walls. And you can celebrate this. In fact, I hope you do over $360,000 beyond our walls. That's awesome for a church that started with $82,000 six years ago. It's fantastic. And so you need to know that. You need to stay connected to the difference that you're making. And I can't wait to share some of that with you. So that's one thing. The other thing that I feel I have a responsibility to do is to make sure you never, ever forget. Forget what? See, you already forgot. Make sure that, I'll put it, I'll put it this way. It's easy for us to get caught up in our own deal. It's easy for us to get caught up in our own little world with our stuff that's going on and to lose sight of the, the greater mission that God has for us. Because we can lose sight of how massive the job is that God really wants us to do. And so we need to keep our eyes fixed on where we're going in our city, in our nation, and beyond. Again, it's easy to get locked in, focused in on our own deal. And I want to help us understand simply what it is that God's concerned with. Like what it is, I have a responsibility to take some time out every single year and to let us know, like right now, what's on God's mind? What is he consumed about? What is he thinking about today? I don't know if you know this, but on planet Earth, there are 7.5 billion people. That's a lot of people, right? 7.5 billion people roaming this planet. That's, that's incredible. And studies would say that 2.1 billion people would say they are Christ followers. 2.1 billion people would say they are Christians. Now, I don't think the number's that high. I think based on the definition of who you'd say is a Christian and who's not, you know, well, just because I come to church, that makes me a Christian. It doesn't. So I think that metric is off a little bit. But let's just say for argument's sake, it's accurate. Let's just say that all 2.1 billion people who say they are Christians are, in fact, Christians. That leaves us with 5.4 billion people who, if it all ended today, today, like it was over, would spend eternity in separation from God. 5.4 billion. Look, and I said that, and nobody in this room flinched. It was like, huh, okay. And I understand that. I understand that response, because that's a huge number, right? I mean, that's a giant number. And here we are sitting in an air-conditioned auditorium in Erie, Pennsylvania, and we can't even wrap our minds around what 5.4 billion, you know, looks like, that, that, that massive number, what that would even feel like, how do we even get started, you know, making a difference in that? And while that number didn't do to, too much to us, I wanna submit to you that it did a lot to God. Like when he heard that, that messed with him. When he heard 5.4 billion, that if it ended today, would live in separation from God forever, like he had a reaction to that. There was a major reaction. He wasn't a fan. And so I think part of my job really is to help us keep a right perspective. And again, I understand that's a great big number. We can't do it all, you know, but we can make a, 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 you know, a, a small impact. We can do something. Now, here's where I'm not going to share with you the story of the child going down the beach and he sees all these, you know, 
starfish on the beach that are laying there. And he's like, well, I made a difference for that one. I made a difference for that one. I hate that story, by the way. If you love that, I'm sorry if you're offended. Because he didn't. In fact, if there are like thousands of starfish laying on the, the, the beach on the sand, if they were there for any amount of time, they were dead anyway. So he's picking up dead starfish and tossing them back into the water, all right? I made a difference for that one. No, you didn't. It's already dead, all right? So I'm just saying. <laughs> hate that poem. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm never coming back here. And I say that because I do understand 5.4 billion. Man, that's, that's a large number. And it's really hard for us to get emotional about that. So let me connect you to, to maybe some things that, that you are emotional about. Let me help wrap our minds around maybe a, a few different events and things that have happened um, that, that you could have uh, caused you could sadness. I wanna illustrate this. Uh, maybe you felt pain uh, regarding. One of those things happened just a few months ago, it was hurricanes Irma and Harvey. It hit southwest Florida and Houston. And in those hurricanes uh, that happened, 211 people lost their lives. That's how many right there. 211 people. Now, if you want to kind of think of that not just as a number, but actually as people, what you'd have to do is you'd have to set up 211 people standing in a line. And if you could imagine this line starting right here, 211 people standing toe to heel, chest to back, would go out this auditorium into our kids' area, wrap around, and come back right here. And if you could picture their faces, picture the people, and it wasn't just a number, that's what 211 would look like. Let me connect you to another event that really impacted us all, and is emotional for all of us, 9-11. On 9-11, Studies say that 2,996 people were killed in those attacks. And if you could imagine a line of 2,996 people standing chest to back, toe to heel, and you could picture their faces, and it wasn't just a number, that line would start right here, would weave its way out of our building, weave its way out of the mall area, and all the way up to uh, Field and Stream. A little over a half a mile, that's how long that would be. So if you can imagine that it's not just a number, but there's faces, there's people standing in that line. That's what that would look like. Let me connect you to one more. I don't know if you'll remember this, but back in 2004, just after Christmas, the single largest event that took the, the single largest amount of lives ever happened, it was a massive tsunami. Do you guys remember the tsunami? where the, the world responded like crazy globally, like all different nations, you know, came out to help. But in this, this single day, the single event, 250,000 people lost their lives. 250,000. And so if you could imagine a line of people standing chest to back, toe to heel, that starts right here, it would run out of this building would run out of the mall area, would run up Peach Street. The line would continue on. It would get on 90 East. It would head out. It would keep going to 86. You'd have to get off on 86. The line would keep going past Finley Lake. It would go to Chautauqua Bridge. It would go across Chautauqua Bridge, and it would end up in Jamestown, New York. The line would be 47 miles long. And if you could imagine that that's not just a number, but people, faces, Take a look, that's how long 
that line would be. It's unbelievable. Does anyone want to take a, a guess on how long the line would be for 5.4 billion? How many of you think it would go to New York City? It's about a, what, about five, six hour drive to New York? Weaving through there? Actually, you'd have to build a bridge and you'd have to go all the way across the Atlantic to, to Europe. And it wouldn't stop there. That line would, would keep going. It would go across the Mediterranean. It would go to the Middle East, to Israel. That's, a, that's like a 13-hour flight in a jumbo jet. That line would continue on, chest to back, heel to toe, going and going, just people, people, people for thousands, hundreds of thousands of miles. And it would go through uh, India. It would go through China. And when you got to the Pacific Ocean, it wouldn't stop there either. You'd have to build a bridge. And then they would, that line would extend across the Pacific Ocean back to the United States of America from California, Texas, all the way back, and it would wrap around and meet right here where that line started, single file, chest to back. 5.4 billion people, but it wouldn't stop there. That line would keep going. In fact, at the widest part of the earth, the equator, if you lined up 5.4 billion people, it wouldn't go around once. It wouldn't go around twice. How about three times? How about four? Five? This is a line of people. 10, 15 times, 20 times, 25 times. 30 times, around the earth, 35 times, 40 times. In fact, this line would go around the globe 40.7 times. That's how many people that if the world ended today don't know Jesus. Do you get a better picture now? of what 5.4 billion looks like, 40.7 times around the globe. I want, like, I, that's a number I never want this room to forget, 40.7. Like, and I didn't wake up this morning thinking about the 40.7. I, I typically don't. You know, I wake up, you know, thinking about the same stuff that you do, thinking about, you know, do I have enough gas in my car to get to work? You know, do, do, am I gonna have to stop or, or where are we going for lunch today? That's what I think about and I'm pretty sure you're a little like me in that. Maybe you didn't wake up thinking about the 40.7, but God did. It consumes him. It's what God and Jesus think about. And so part of my job is to make sure we stay connected. Connected to what? Well, first of all, connected to the things of this church that you guys are a part of that maybe you didn't know a part of that you really should be proud of because I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of the way this church is generous. So that's part of it. However, not just connected to what we've done, but to what still needs to be done. What needs to be done? 40.7 lines around the earth. Like I want that number to haunt us. 
I want that number to drive us, to, to help us focus our efforts and our, gen, our energies. That number should move this church into action because it's not just a number, and I know it's hard to get our mind around it, but each person in that line 40 times around the earth is, is, is a soul, is a spirit being that's going to spend eternity in one of two places, and if it all ended today, 5.4 billion. And so we've made it our mission to do everything that we can to reach as many people as we can. And so I wanna read you a couple verses today, and here's, here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to break out your phone. I don't want you to break out your U version on your iPad, or I don't even necessarily want you to get out your own text. I want it to be up here on the screen. And there's not a lot of notes today because I don't want to engage your head, I want to engage your heart. I really wanna take an opportunity for us to wrap our, our hearts around what it is God's calling us to do. And if you're new here at this church, we take a series you know, every single year really to focus on a couple of things. And so I'm encouraging, just look up on the screen, it'll be up here for you. And the reality is most of humanity doesn't get this. Most of humanity doesn't you know, fix our eyes on this kind of stuff because it's in our nature to be more focused on ourselves. And I'm not, I'm not knocking you, I'm the same way. In fact, I take comfort that the people who are closest to Jesus, his disciples, didn't get it right all the time either. Like these guys weren't the best, they weren't the brightest, right? They weren't the A students. You know, these guys, for the most part, were, were screw-ups like me, so I take comfort in that. Always didn't get it, get it right. They were a work in progress and got it wrong many of the times. And in John chapter four, those of you that have been in church for any amount of time, you've probably heard the story of the woman at the well. It's an incredible story. This event that, that takes place, Jesus has met with this woman at the well. He's just prophesied to her. He's basically read her, read her mail, told her everything that she'd ever done, and she's like, hey, you guys gotta come meet this guy. Could he be the Messiah? In fact, this is one of the, the earliest times Jesus said, hey, I am the Messiah. And so she ran and got her friends, and she got her family, and she was bringing everyone out of the village to meet this guy. So there's this amazing moment in ministry that happens and the disciples walk up and the Bible says they were shocked. They couldn't believe it. They were dumbfounded that not only was he talking to a Samaritan, but he was also talking to a woman, you know, like gasp, you know, you don't do that kind of stuff. And so they were shocked about it. And it's funny though in the NLT version, it'll say, but none of them had, you know, the nerve to ask what they were, were thinking. Jesus, what are you doing with her? And so people are streaming in from this village. They gotta meet this guy. So this is the, the moment that we're gonna kind of walk into. And in John chapter four, verse 31, it says this. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. Hold up. Jesus just explained to this woman that he was the Messiah. People are coming out of this village to meet this guy who could change everything, everything that they known, and the disciples are like, Jesus, we're really glad that you had this amazing ministry moment. Let's go get something to eat. What? Like, for real? Like, yeah, yeah, Jesus, aren't you hungry? Like, like Peter picked last time, and Peter's more of a Chipotle, five guys kind of person, you know? 
and it's your turn to pick. You know, when James, James always wants to go to the buffet and we don't wanna do that necessarily. James has got some issues with, you know, eating, so whatever. Let's go eat. And Jesus is like, are you kidding me right now? And I pray that you, you grab a hold of what his response is. I, I pray that this is how our church would respond because I think a lot of times we come here on Sundays and we're like, hey, 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 Colby, I'm going through some stuff. I really need you to, to pray for me. Hey, Colby, my, my marriage is in, in trouble. You know, talk about that. Talk about my needs. Talk about my deal. And if we can be honest, the majority of the weekends here at Elevate, we do. The majority of the weekends at Elevate are about you and about us growing closer and closer in the likeness of Jesus. But I think we have to see this because Jesus responds to them by saying, I have a kind of food that you don't even know about, that you're not getting. In other words, I have something that drives me. I have something that moves me. I have something that, that feeds me, and you guys can't see it right now. All you're thinking about is in the natural. You're thinking about your stomachs. You're thinking about how hungry you are, and I get it, I understand it, but there's something else that moves me and drives me, and the disciples look at each other in verse 33, and they say, did someone bring him some food? Like, what did we miss? What are we missing here? Did someone deliver something to Jesus, and so Jesus takes time out in verse 34 to explain it to him. You know what I mean when I say explain it to you? It's different than explaining it, right? Like, I'm gonna explain something to you, so come over here. And that's what he did. He explained it to him. He said, you guys are way off. What moves me, what motivates me, what I'm passionate about, what I woke up thinking about today. In fact, what I wake up thinking about every day is not where I'm going to eat. That's not it. He says, my food is to do the will of God who sent me and finishing the job he gave me. Finishing the work, finishing what, what I'm here for. Jesus, what's, what's the job he gave you? 40.7 lines around the world. That's the job. And that's why I'm here. And they, then he goes on and he says, hey, hey, and you guys keep saying four more months. Four more months to the harvest. We'll get to it then. In other words, hey, like we'll do something about it, but in a little bit. Like, let's wait some time. You know, why do we gotta go and do something about it now? Let's, let's let another missions organization, you know, take care of that for us. 5.4 billion, we can't, we can't do anything, you know, with all that anyway. We'll, just, we'll get around to it later. Jesus said, you keep saying four more months and then the harvest, but I'm telling you, wake up and look around. Turn to your neighbor right now and tell them to wake up. That was real awkward if they were in fact sleeping, wasn't it? <laughs> wake up, huh? Wake up. Hey, I think my job today is to help try to get us to wake up and look around. Because we're, we're focused on lunch. Where are we gonna lunch, going to lunch? We're thinking about our hunger. God's thinking about the harvest. We're thinking about our stomachs. God's saying, hey, it, it's not later. It's like right now. Like there's work to be done right now, so wake up. Wake up. That's where I am today. I want us to 
wake up. My job is to remind you about the, about the 40.7 lines around the world for us to wake up and get our eyes fixed on the right thing. I've noticed recently, probably been the last year, that my eyesight is going. Like, I used to take pride in my eyes. I didn't have 20-20 vision. I, I had, what's better than 20-20? Anyone know? 20 what? 20-40? That sounds terrible. I don't want that. <laughs> like, 20-10 is what I had. Like, 20-10. And I always prided myself in my, my eyesight. But it's going. It's going now. And so I'm going to get an eye exam. In fact, I tried to schedule one this last week. The glasses are coming. I'm just preparing you guys now for that, all right? <laughs> it's inevitable. Well, what about contacts? No way. Because anything touching my eyeball is icky. And I don't use that word a lot, and I don't use it lightly. It's gross, okay? And I can't do it. Ask my wife. I can't put contacts in. I can't put eye drops in. I'm not going to get contacts. Quit being a baby, Colby. No, I will not. I'm a baby, all right? So that day's coming. But I don't need, I don't need glasses to see things, like, up close. I need them to see things at a distance. I'm, I'm, I'm not being able to make things out at a distance, especially, you know, words and, and signs and things like that. But anything that's close to me, I can see fine. And I thought about that, and that's exactly how most of us are. The things that are close to you, like your job, your family, your stuff, your deal, your issues, what you're going through, you can see clearly but it's the stuff at a distance that we have a hard time focusing on. Like when we, the last time you, you had a prayer time with God, what did your prayer center around? Chances are, if it was like me, it was about you. It was about your stuff. It was about your deal. And I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying we need to wake up and look around. We need to see what God wants us to see to put on some corrective lenses and think about the stuff that God is thinking about. What's he thinking about? 40.7 lines around the world. So I wanna make sure that we do that today. I wanna give you a verse that convicts the, the fire out of me, Luke chapter 15. Is this amazing chapter, Jesus, you know, once again, he's explaining some stuff to some people and some parables of a lost sheep and lost, lost coin lost son, and they all convey the same conclusion. Luke 15, chap, uh, chapter 15, verse one, says this, that the tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus. Keep going. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people. Your version might have this in quotes, that the Pharisees would complain about those sinners, those sinners. In fact, uh, they had a different category for the sinners, all right? Anybody that, that wasn't them, they would call sinners. But if we were gonna read this accurately, it would say everyone, like, because every one of us have sinned. And it says that they, they complained about it. They complained about him hanging out with those people. I think there are some churches that complain. I think there are some, some Christians who would 
complain. In fact, if we could put it in our, our modern day language, you know, it could go something like, hey, I don't like what that church is doing because they're, they're focused on the lost. They're focused on the sinners. They're focused on, on those people. They complained, complained that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. And so Jesus said, you obviously aren't getting it. Verse three, he told them this story. If a man had 100 sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Well, won't he leave the 99 in the wilderness and go and search? Everybody say search. For the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. And when he arrives together with his friends and neighbors, uh, he'll say, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 who are righteous and haven't strayed away. I wanna give us three focuses through fo- focuses from this. Um, and we're just gonna dedicate this weekend to the stuff that God's concerned with, to the stuff that he's actually interested in and thinking about. And the first thing is this. We need to make sure we have a correct view of people. We gotta get those corrective lenses on and make sure we see people the way that God sees people. So I always wanted to pastor a church. I always wanted to be a, a part of a church that loves hearing about life change, that loves it when people you know, share their story. I love being a part of a church where we get to experience baptisms on Sundays where somebody will stand up and say, I am different because of Jesus. I am different now because of what God has done for me, and we see people that actually have gone from being spiritually dead to now spiritually alive. I want this church to get so excited about that, about seeing people's lives changed. I want to be a part of a church that you love people in the city, that you love the fact that we would roll up, you know, into the, the worst parts of the town with our mobile dream center. We'd open the back up. We'd pull out some bag lunches just to feed people, not to push elevate, but to push Jesus and say, hey, Jesus loves you and cares about you. I want us to love that kind of stuff, to have a correct view of people, to where the person can show up. In fact, that it happened this summer. We were taking school supplies into a neighborhood. We just rolled up cooked some hot dogs, offered some school supplies, and a mom comes up and says, thank you so much that I had to decide this week if I was gonna buy school supplies for my kids or clothes. But now I don't have to get supplies. Like, I I want us to love that. Like, we need to have a correct view of people. And I only say that because I think it's easy for us not to sometimes. I think it's easy for us not to always have a right view of people. In fact, I've, I've been to some of those churches, and you have too, where maybe it's not spoken, maybe it's not talked about, but you get this sense that, well, if you don't look like us or dress like us or, or talk like us, then, then you don't fit. I've been to that church. I've been to that church where if you're not wearing the right thing, then there's some talking behind your back. I've been to that, that church where if you smell like smoke, cigarette smoke, right? It's like they will ignore you and, you know, as if you didn't even exist. Can I tell you something? This isn't that church. 
Like this is not that church. I want this room to reek of cigarette smoke. I want people to be here who are struggling with adultery. I want people to be here who are struggling in a sin pattern that is hard for them to break free. I want people to be here who are breaking free from anger issues in their life. I want people to be here who don't have it all figured out so they can join the rest of us sinners and we can all find Jesus and get some help, all right? Like that's where this church is. We have a right view of people. No perfect people allowed. No perfect people. We got any perfect people in the room? Get out. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't think anybody would say that. But I only say that because sometimes it's easy for us to forget. And we'll start to complain. And we'll start to talk. And one of the worst things that we can do is complain and talk about people. In fact, it's terrible. This is one of the things that just destroys, I think, a spirit inside of a church, inside of a house. So I wanna make sure that we always have a correct view of people, and I also wanna make sure we have a correct view of the problem, of the problem. In other words, we need to be concerned about the things that Jesus is concerned about. Like, chances are, if you would have come into this room and I, and I would have said, hey, you know, can I pray with you? What do you want to pray about? It most likely would be about you, and that's okay. Like, your, your stuff is significant, and that's, that's important. God cares about that. You know, if you were going to pray with me, I would tell you something about me. Well, I got this thing going on, and that's all right, but it's nothing compared to the real problem. It's nothing compared. It's not that it's not significant. But it's nothing compared to the 40.7 lines around the earth. That's the real problem. And I want to make sure we're part of a church that has the correct view of the real problem. I always wanted to go to a church, pastor a church that has the correct view of people, that understands what the real problem is. And by the way, the real problem isn't, oh, the music is too loud. That's not the problem. Maybe it was too loud. It still is not the problem. The problem, unless your ears are actually bleeding, all right, then maybe it's the problem. We'll address that. The problem isn't, oh, you know what, uh, the, the student ministry, though, somebody, you know, gave my kid a dirty look. That's not the problem. The problem is that you have the wrong, wrong information on your, on your website. That's, that's the problem. That's not the problem. You know, it's funny how we can make things that aren't the problem the problem. And I just want to be a part of a church that knows what the problem is. Hey, what's the problem? 40.7 lines around the world. That's the problem. And I also want to be a part of a church that has a correct view of the solution. That knows what to do. What did Jesus do? In this parable, he says, I'll leave. Like if, if one is missing, if one is gone, then I'll leave. And here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do everything I can do to find that sheep. I'm going to leave. He didn't say I'm gonna talk about it. He didn't say I'm gonna form a committee about it. He said, I am going to leave. I'm going to take action. I'm gonna go. I don't want, I wanna be a part of a church that doesn't mind going, 
that doesn't mind sending, that doesn't mind giving. Well, we've given almost nearly, you know, 70 plus thousand dollars this, this year beyond our walls. We're, we're hoping to give more than 80 by the end of this year. I hope next year we give, you know, triple that. And the year after that, a million dollars. I wanna be a part of a church that realizes that money can't stay, that it's gotta leave, that it has to support, you know, the, the, the couple that's planting a church in Portland, Maine, which you guys did a life-giving church to reach people, that it has to go to the city mission to feed people in our city that are desperate for a meal. It has to go. We have to know what the solution is. And you guys have been an amazing part of the solution, to leave. He said, leave. And then he said, search for people. I'm gonna go find that sheep. Hey, listen, we're gonna be a church that we will not stop searching. Like we say a lot of times, we will do anything short of sin to reach as many people as we can in this city. And so we're never gonna stop searching. We wanna see people reach their full potential in Jesus. And can I just tell you something, and then we're gonna show you this video. You, every person in this room, you have been an incredible part of the solution in fact, 2017 has been an awesome year, and I wanna show you just a, a few of the ways that you have impacted the city and beyond. I always dreamed of a church that could completely change an entire city through love and generosity and pointing people to the only thing that matters in this life and in the life to come, Jesus. And I truly believe that the church is the vehicle that God uses to impact the world. And because of you, that's exactly what God's been doing, impacting our city, our nation, and beyond. Because of you, 2017 has been an incredible year of seeing lives changed and people that were once far from God begin their journey of reaching their full potential in Christ. And I want to share with you just a few of the ways our city and the world is a better place because of you. Because of you, this year we launched our mobile Dream Center. Unlike a brick and mortar location, this Dream Center is a hub for outreach into our community, wherever and whenever it's needed. The mobile Dream Center was first used during our Easter eggs and pancakes event right here in the heart of the city, where 5,000 plus eggs were found and over 500 free breakfasts were served. The Mobile Dream Center has also been an incredible tool during things like Serve Day 2017, where thousands of school supplies were distributed to inner city students, while other teams served our downtown area with trash cleanup and handing out 2,000 plus bottles of water to those attending Roar on the Shore. Our Dream Center has also been used to serve the Martin Luther King Center, cleaning up, replacing railings, painting, passing out water during Celebrate Erie Days, maintenance at the Grace House, serving at the Erie City Mission. We will also roll right up into a neighborhood, set up a grill, cook hot dogs, or pass out bag lunches to those who need it the most. And all of this is because of you. Also because of you, we're able to respond to churches facing unimaginable devastation in their communities in the aftermath of Hurricane Harvey and Irma. Because of your generosity, we were able to give $7,820 to Faith Family Church in Baytown, Texas, 
and $2,000 to Next Level Church in Fort Myers, Florida, both to assist in recovery efforts and rebuilding of those communities. Also, because of you, right here at home, we partner with some great organizations like the Erie City Mission, where for every first-time guest that walks through the doors of Elevate on the weekend, we give $5 in their honor. So far this year, we've seen 1,045 first-time guests walk through the doors, which means $5,225 has been given to help those hurting the most, to feed the hungry, and also to support those finding freedom in recovery programs. In fact, our total Beyond Our Walls giving in 2017 has reached $79,000. $90, including $18,252 to the Association of Related Churches. And they helped plant 120 life-giving churches in the U.S. this year and 21 church plants around the world. And here's the power in partnerships. As we give to plant life-giving churches through ARC, those same ARC churches in turn will give over $15 million away to missions this year around the world. And you are a part of that. Also, because you invest and help fuel the ministry here at Elevate, we continue to provide more and more discipleship opportunities through Crash Course and Elevate Groups, Elevate Youth and Kids. Crash Course helps provide an easy on-ramp for people to find life and liberty in Christ, to learn the heartbeat of this house, to discover the me they were born to be, and ultimately to be deployed for impact. Our Elevate groups have continued to grow with 300 plus people doing life together and growing closer to Jesus in 38 different groups meeting throughout the city. Our student ministry is blowing up with hundreds of middle school and high school students worshiping in our monthly house parties and also in small groups every single week. Our Elevate Kids team continues to provide the absolute best experience, teaching the love of God to over 275 of our little giant slayers every single weekend. And because you continue to invest and invite your friends and family to weekend worship experiences here, this year alone, we've received 190 yes cards from people who surrendered their life to follow Jesus. And so far, 110 people publicly demonstrated that faith through water baptism. All of this, every number, every person, every child, every dollar, every life changed, every student, every decision for Jesus that happens is because of you. You play a part in all of it. So thank you. From the bottom of our heart, thank you for the way you serve for the way you live generously and give generously. And here's our commitment to you, that because of you, this church will never stop running the race that God marked out for us. And we're gonna run it in such a way as to win. We're never gonna stop doing good. We're not going to grow weary, for we know at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. We're never gonna stop having faith that God's gonna continue to move mountains and open doors. We're never gonna stop relying on God's strength within us because we know that it's not by our might, it's not by our power, but by His Spirit. And we will never, never, ever stop pointing people to life and liberty in Christ until Jesus runs 
this town. Come on, church, can we give God a great praise? Come on, stand to your feet, come on. All glory, all praise goes to God for all that we've been able to see him accomplish through you. It's unbelievable. It's incredible. And I love being a part of this journey with you every single step of the way. Um, over the, the almost six years that we've been around, one of the numbers we didn't put up there, talking about the 40.7 lines around the globe. Here's the impact that you've made in that so far. In almost six years, we've seen 3,620 people surrender their life to Jesus. That's unbelievable. Jesus said, I will leave. I'm gonna search, I'm gonna find. And then I love this part right here. He says, I'm gonna celebrate. I don't know if you caught it, but as I was reading through those, those parables, the, the first verse is about the, what's lost and about looking. One verse about the lost and the looking. The rest of it, the other three are about rejoicing, are about celebrating, are about throwing a party. And the final thing I wanna be a part of, a church that knows how to throw a party, that knows how to celebrate. Because we have a correct view of what matters. We have a correct view of people. We have a correct view of the problem. And we have a correct view of the solution. And we're going to do everything that we can as a church to reach as many people as we can. In Jesus' name, amen. We are always encouraged to know that God is using Elevate to bless people's lives. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, share your story online at elevatechurch.com.